Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, and relationships from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Now let's dive right in. Good day, ladies. I have such a treat for you. The interview today is with a wise and godly woman named Marcia Griffith. And today's topic is about caring for aging loved ones. So maybe this topic is not something that directly relates to your life now, but I hope you can tuck this practical life wisdom away for when you might need it in the future. And with most of the topics we're covering on this podcast, we will also share how you can come alongside someone else who is in this role to provide support and help. So before we get started, let me introduce you to our special guest today. Marcia and I met a couple years ago in the Bible study that I attend where she serves as a mentor to the other ladies. She is constantly serving others and her service spans beyond mentoring young ladies to what we will talk about today with serving her own mother in a caregiving role. She has lived this advice and so it comes to you tried and true and ready for you to put into practice in your own life. And just on a fun note, I wanted to share this detail about Marcia. She first came to Grace Community Church when she wanted to attend the Master's Seminary. And for most of you listening, you know that that seminary is um, only for men to attend. So while she wasn't able to attend and when she found that out, uh, by God's providence, she did end up working for the seminary for many, many years. Um, And she would often be teased by the other students that that was her kind of backdoor entry into the seminary was to be employed by them. But I thought that was pretty hilarious. I wanted to share that with you today. Um, So without further ado, ladies and ladies, I present to you Marcia Griffith. Today, I would like Marcia, who has walked this road before, I want her to share her story and her wisdom with us on this topic and what things were helpful for her as she navigated this season and new role. So Marcia, thank you again for jumping on here. And I'm just going to turn it over to you to share a little bit about yourself and your care for your mom. Hi, Christy. Thank you. It's um, it's a real privilege and honor. And just um, it's stirred up a lot of memories because my mom is now with the Lord and has been for the last two years. I worked at the Master Seminary. At least that's what I was doing when my mom got ill. And she was a very vivacious, independent, just, just, yeah, fun person. While at work one evening, I received a call that she had suffered a brain aneurysm that had ruptured and was in a coma. So I flew out the next morning to be with her. And it was just devastating to see her hooked up to all these tubes. And anyway, she was in a coma for six weeks. The prognosis was not very good from the medical standpoint of her recovery, given given her age and just most people don't recover from that, I'm told, including by her brother, who was a surgeon and had done those kind of surgeries, who was a blessing during that time to walk me through a lot of the medical side of it. So yeah, that's how it started. So I literally had to leave my job for about three months to to start caring for her. That's where it began. 
Can you share about how long that road was for you and how long you cared for her and what that looked like day to day? Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, she lived in another state that was five hours away. After, by God's grace, she did recover from the coma, but then she had lost all her motor skills. So she had to learn to walk again, talk again, all of that. So she had to be in an acute care facility. So we put her in one there and I was getting calls every other day that she had fallen and I just could not manage her care from 3,000 miles away. One of my aunts and I arranged to have her brought here to California where, where I live. And I cared for her for the next 11 years. Wow. That's a long time. And during that season, you were also working full time. So how did you, how did you balance both of those roles, working, caring for her, and you were doing it by yourself? Yes, I was. I do have two siblings. My sister and her husband live in another state. And although my brother lived here, he just was not involved with her care at all. So even when there are more than one daughters in the family, I've noticed that it seems that the care for for the elderly loved one usually ends up for one person. My mom cared for her mom, even though she had seven siblings. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it usually ends up the actual day-to-day care. And sometimes others might contribute, you know, financially or in other ways, but the actual day-to-day care usually ends up on one, on one person, usually. Yeah. So the first six months of she was in a, in a care facility here as well, just recovering. And then when she actually moved in with me, it was, it was a struggle. Some of her siblings helped financially so that I was able to hire someone during the day because I had to continue working to support myself because I am single. So during the day I did have care, but in the, at at nights and on the weekends, it was mine. She was mine. Wow. And were you, was she sleeping through the night or were you having to get up during the night to help her with, you know, getting to the bathroom or anything like that? Well, as she recovered and she did get to the point where she could walk again with using a walker and do some of her personal hygiene and just things like making her own bed. That was a very important to her. And she did that every day, all the way up until the end when she couldn't do, you know, she couldn't do it for herself anymore. But yeah, just making meals, overseeing her medications, just very time consuming. And just even being her advocate with doctors because in the, yeah, I found that a lot of them just wanted to give medications and I tried to make sure she wasn't taking anything unnecessarily. And again, that's where my uncle was very helpful. So just having to come up with a system to organize her medications, make sure, you know, looking for adverse effects of medications. And yeah, I, I learned a lot <laughs> about medicine. So had, actually, at one of the hospitals, they asked me once if I was a nurse. <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you became one out of necessity. During that time, you know, you were saying most of that care fell to you, even though you did have another sibling. Were were you able to express, okay, here's the ways that I need help? Did you make those needs known? Or how did you kind of send up that 
flare signal of like help. <laughs> yes, I did make the needs known to my my brother and sister. And yeah, my brother helped a little bit financially with one aspect, as did my sister, as did one of my aunts. I even asked my brother, since he was local, would you be willing to take her one weekend per month for me, just one weekend per month so that I could just have a little breather. And he agreed. And that lasted maybe one month or two. (laughs) And he was very precise. And if I had a specific duty, like if I said, I need to be somewhere, could you come over for an hour? He would say precisely one hour and he would time it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Yes. And so, yeah, but in just, just to come by, yeah. Sometimes I, I, my heart ached for my mom because she would say, where, where is your brother? How, why haven't I seen him? And so I would just call him and say, Hey, your mom really would love to see you. And then he would make an effort, but yeah, he just not voluntarily didn't make that effort. Can you share a little bit about how friends and people in the church and other Others who want to help, what does that look like? What's most helpful for someone in a caregiving role? Like you said, having just some time to breathe and and re-energize for yourself so you don't get burnt out in that caregiving role. But other than just bringing meals, I think that's the first thing that people think is, oh, I'll bring you a meal. But I know there's other things that are helpful. Is there anything specific you want to share for people listening that they can put into practice? Sure. For me, in, in my situation, anyway, meals were not that helpful because sometimes you, you know, people are on diets for medical reasons. So you have to be careful that certain ingredients are not in foods. And if someone is volunteering you to bring food, at least for me, I didn't feel comfortable saying, okay, make sure you don't put this and that. So for me, meals weren't that, that helpful. And I, I knew my mom, what she liked to eat. So it was just easier for me to make the meals. And I did teach what the day caregiver, a few basic things to prepare for my mom. So that, that was not a big issue for us. Getting the time for me, the time again, working full time, caring for her, being the one to take her to all the medical appointments of which there were many, you know, and there were just times emergency wise where she ended up in the hospital and I had to be there with her and be there overnight and then get to work the next day. So Yeah, having relief was what was more important for me. Because my mom was not living here at the time, her friends were not here. And so my friends, which are mostly friends in the church, really and truly stepped up to the plate. Yeah, would try to come by and and give me that relief. I wanted to back up really quick. When my mom was in the coma in the hospital, there was a gal at Masters University who I had been discipling during her time there. And she she was such a blessing to me. She literally came, she had that semester off and she came and just stayed with me, just we in the hospital. So I had to be available to all the doctors whenever they needed to do a procedure. I had to be there to approve it and all that. So I literally slept in the hospital every night, most of the nights and during the day was there. And so she just came and was there with me. She could go pick up a lunch for us. She could give me a relief to go take a shower. It was just such, such a blessing. And I just love her so much for that. Um, I mean, I loved her way, but that, that, that ministered to me so much during that time. 
And then coming back to California, I had single girlfriends who would just come and sit with my mom. Another thing I did was I started once a month just meeting with a bunch of seven other single women in my home so that I could have that fellowship. That was a little selfish, but just for that fellowship, they would come over on a Sunday and we would make a potluck and just talk about the sermon for that day or any kind of theological issues that we may have had questions on. So that was also a very big blessing just for me personally. But then, yeah, and there are times when my mom was feeling well, one of them would come and take her once a month for a manicure, which was just so helpful. So she would come and take my mom for lunch and a manicure and just pretty much spend a day with her once a month. And so that was really helpful just to give me a time to breathe, to sleep in a little bit, get caught up on just paperwork. And that's probably so helpful for the the aging loved one also and for your mom to have someone else to interact with too. I'm sure, you know, she loves you and loves spending time with you, but for both of your sakes, having another person, you know, having someone take her out, another person to talk to was probably so refreshing to her. Yeah. There was another couple in the church who there was a time my mom had to be back in a in a care facility and those places are so expensive. And this couple came alongside me financially in a way that was just beyond generous to help to make that happen. Just another simple thing. There was a friend who would save a seat for us at church every Sunday, because you know what it's like finding parking at Grace. (laughs) So I would drop my mom off with a walker and because she had to use the walker, she was slower. So, and she had to sit close because she's hard of hearing. She was hard of hearing. So that friend would save a seat for us every Sunday, which is also, it seems like a small thing, but it was such a huge blessing. These are so practical. And I think, you know, that's not necessarily things that you might feel comfortable sharing, like, okay, here are my needs, someone help me. But I think women in the church can be proactive and ask, what can I do for you? Or just initiate that help is probably so helpful because you don't know who maybe who has the time or who's willing to help, but be, taking initiative, I think is probably going to be really helpful. And then I bring my mom in on Wednesdays for everyone's grace, which she actually, she loved every woman's grace. Uh, <laughs> and to the point some weeks, she's like, I can't go tomorrow. I haven't finished my homework. I'm like, it's okay. I think it's fine. If you don't answer all the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll still let you in. (laughs) There was a woman at her table who would give, I could, cause I could bring her in with me because I worked on campus and then this lady would take her home for me. And this was a new person. I didn't know her, but I got to know her through that. She was just willing to minister to my mom that way. So the family at Grace just was really, really helpful. So having a good church family and then even at the seminary, just allow me those three months to be in another state to care for my mom. I was able to take my laptop and work from the hospital but, you know, just having a, a, an employer who was just wonderful that way was a, an incredible blessing. So how did you handle any conflict that came up when all of a sudden your roles are reversed? So now you're, in a sense, being the mom for your mom and taking care of her. And so I know just inevitably there is conflict. And I worked in assisted living for six years. And so I got to see that firsthand with through a lot of families just really struggling with how do you tell mom what to do now and tell her that this is best for her. And there was a lot of conflict and they were just, you know, families were just so nervous of how do you 
how do you do this? And you know, it's for her good, but they don't always understand that it is for their good. So was there anything like that that came up with you and your mom and were there conversations that you needed to have with her to help her understand that you were there to help? And this is what this was for her good and for her care. Oh, several times, a lot of, especially towards the end when she started getting, exhibiting signs of dementia. One of the things I'd always prayed for in my life was patience. And God gave me plenty of opportunities to my knees <laughs> with him in that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So in certain things, there was a conflict, you know, taking care of her financially, all that, no questions ever came up on that. But just the day-to-day decisions that had to be made. She didn't understand part of the brain damage was didn't understand her diminished capabilities. So she would want to try to do things that I I know that would not, she would not be able to do. So had would have to say no. And she would literally say to me, When did I become the child and you become the mother? And so I would have to have those conversations just to sit her down, assure her that I loved her. Because she, with the brain aneurysm, she didn't remember. A lot of her memory was gone, except for long-term memory. She, 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 didn't, she didn't even remember how she got to California. She didn't know why she was here. So having to retell that story to her, of what happened to her, just, like I said, exercised a lot of patience just to assure her, I loved her. The decisions I was making was for her own good. And sometimes I'd have to elicit the help of her primary care physician to, to share these things with her or one of my aunts to have that talk with her. Another thing I found making it humorous helped. So not to take it so seriously when she would be upset that I was giving her direction or you know, making decisions without her because not everything I could include her in. The decisions that I could include her in making, I, I tried to do that, but other times I couldn't. And so just trying to have humor play a big role in that and just try to include her in as much as I could. Finding ways for her to still have independence because, you know, at this point she's not driving, she's not living by herself. So many of the things that she's used to doing on her own or have been stripped away. So finding those things that she can still do, celebrating them, encouraging her to do them. Exactly. Like I would set aside one day where I would just take her to the dollar store or to Ross. And I just say, okay, here's, you just go around and get what you want. The senior center in our area was also very good and just, she loved doing arts and crafts. So I got her involved in doing that having her go to the senior center and be involved in doing things like that. And that, that became very helpful when she got to a point where she could do that. And just even for birthdays and things, I would have, when people would ask what they could give, I just say gift cards are really good because then we have a Starbucks right next to where we live. And I just have the caregiver take her there once a week and have a tea or something, just a little outing, you know? So I would put little outings that she could have to, help encourage her that way. I love how you brought out though, that just the humor and having fun. And I think when you're in the caregiving role, you're just absorbed with the necessities of life. You know, you're trying to just make sure that they're drinking enough water and eating. And, you know, you kind of, you feel like there's no room for play anymore or, or fun. So you've 
finding little ways to incorporate that. And, you know, I think, yeah, will help their attitude also in knowing that, that you love them and that it's not just, you're not just doing things out of frustration or necessity, but that you do love them and you do enjoy being with them. Yeah. Another blessing was we had, my mom had to have a personal trainer because she constantly needed to keep her strength, you know, to to be strengthened from her medical condition. And so there was a a young man in the church at Grace who did that. And so it was wonderful having somebody who's a Christian also in that role. And he would actually come to the house to work out with her. And yeah, so that was also really, really helpful because then he would talk to her about her attitude with me at times. So it wasn't always coming from me. So that was also helpful. It's really helpful having friends who can intervene that way as well. When the roles are reversed, so you're not the only one saying, this is why I'm doing it and this is for your own good. Because you have to think when you were a child and your parents would say, well, I'm doing this for your own good. (laughs) It wasn't really what you wanted. That, that would not always sit well. So having somebody else speak into the situation was was also very good. And then just even my aunts would just explain to her, you know, just how much I was juggling at the time to put another perspective on it as well. And that's where you can also sometimes become resentful of siblings who are not helping. And my aunts would always, they were more frustrated about it for on my behalf. And I would just say, you know, I can't allow my mind to go there. I just have to do what I know God wants me to do. And I can't think about what others should be doing. So that was just helpful to have that kind of mindset. And doing your work as unto the Lord and not unto people. So that's probably a good segue into what scripture passages helped you to navigate this season. And we're encouraging you to have the right mindset and attitude. For me, I, looking back, at least through the notes that I had at hand, I couldn't find any exact scripture verses that I went to. I know I prayed a lot. I used, I went through John's devotional drawing there several times because that just really ministered to me. And so I did a lot of praying, like I said, going, having that Bible study at home with with those other friends. But I did find the day before, because my mom had her aneurysm October 24, 2006, which was my brother's birthday. So I always remember that. But my journal entry for the day prior to that, October 23rd, was on the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23. And of course, in their patience. <laughs> so I found the fruit of the spirit just always because all the things that would frustrate you, you know, and try to rob you of your joy. You just have to remember you're doing this out of love. You needed to be kind. I wrote lots of things about being kind and making my speech Ephesians 429, you know, my speech, my mom, making sure I guard my mouth and and the things I would say, because it's so easy. You're tired. You're juggling so many things, just going through the fruit of the spirit was was just helpful. I tried to dwell on the things to be thankful about. So I kept a little, somebody gave me a little book that you can put right down your thing, your thing to the Lord for. So I would try to write, to dwell more on the things that I could be thankful for in this situation. That's so key. I think because when you're in a caregiving role, it's the inevitability of, or the indefiniteness rather that you're looking into, you you don't know when this is going to end. You're 
I think that's can be a burden in and of itself. You know, it's different when you're, you know, when you have children because you have these milestones and things that you're looking forward to and celebrating. But on the other end of the spectrum, when life is fading, you're looking into something that is just going to probably get harder and more difficult and not knowing when it will end and losing a person in a sense, like if, if they have dementia or something, you're re- losing that relational aspect to the person. And so, you know, I think I was thinking about that even with our cur- current situation in society with the lockdown, I think one of the biggest burdens is not knowing when it will end. And I think caregivers face that daily, just that, you know, this, it feels long, it's hard, it's exhausting, you, you know, not knowing how many years this will go on, especially if someone is strong physically, but maybe mentally there's going downhill, you know, you're looking at a long haul care. So having, yeah, joy and hope and scripture to focus on instead of that kind of, uh, yeah, indefiniteness of your current situation. Right. And one of the other verses was um, in John 15, verse 5, where it talks about your relationship to Christ. And I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And here's the part. For apart from me, Christ, you can do nothing. So having to just really realize that I had to rely on the Lord for strength. For because in the midst of it, halfway through at the seven-year mark, well, actually, few years, I, I developed some medical issues of myself. That's the other thing. You're spending so much, not getting the rest that you need yourself. So I came down with two major medical issues over the period of that, those 11 years. My strength came from the Lord because uh, somehow he helped me to continue for care all through that. Wow. Isn't this interview encouraging? I'm just so inspired by how Marcia shifted her mindset in this trial to be focused on the Lord and to trust Him and be joyful, even in the midst of something that was very extended. So please come back next time as we continue with this interview. Marcia is going to share more about how she was able to remain joyful in this uh, role as a caregiver and also how she navigated the thoughts of feeling like she might be missing out on life by being in a role that pulled her out of a lot of other things in her um, society and church. So please join us next time. Share this with a friend. And thank you again for listening. 